Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Uh, For fans of Lost, the television show, you might enjoy this. Previously on Ridiculous History. (laughs) This This is part two of our episode on... King Pine, a.k.a. the pineapple, uh, a.k.a. one of our favorite fruits on the show. Uh, Shout out to super producer Casey Pegram. Guest producer Andrew Howard. Uh, They call me they call me Ben or uh, the pineapple kid. I'm going by Mm. that now. No, the pineapple kid. I like that. You should rob a bank. Uh, it's yeah. probably it's pr- you, got, you probably ought to capitalize on this whole mask wearing situation. It's not going to be around for terribly much longer, hopefully. And rob a bank. I'm surprised there haven't been more like Wild West style heists. You know, mm. everyone would just blend right in. You could just walk right out in the street. No one would know. I did a I did a video for Brain Stuff back in the day about the economics of robbing a bank. It's right. pretty depressing. We've uh, talked you, about this. Yeah, yeah. You don't make much. Uh, you don't make much money uh, per heist. Uh, it's uh, it's not the best business to be in. So well, bank robbing now, it would be like kind of like spoken word. You got to be in it for the experience. For the well, art. that's what that, that's why you got to do. Like, you got to think bigger, Ben. You can't just rob a bank. You got to like do an Ocean's Eleven style casino heist or rob like the Museum of Natural History. Steal the Declaration of Independence. That'd be a good ridiculous history style heist. Yeah. Yeah. Now, heist in a museum I'm on board with. And of course, I'm sure there are some folks in the audience today, Noel, who are remembering that old quote, if you really want to make money, don't rob a bank, start one or something yeah. like that. <laughs> if you really want to rob people, I can't remember. But it's something along can, those lines. What, what we can remember is uh, our earlier episode on the mania for pineapples that swept Europe, right? In the 15th through 16th century specifically, uh, I think we were both surprised to learn that the pineapple at one time in Europe cost the equivalent of $8,000 each today, right? That was the number, I think. Insane. I mean, truly, even the the royals would look at it as an absolute delicacy, a treat only for the most special of occasions. Uh, you're right. A single fruit was worth thousands of pounds. As we know, pounds have always been more than a dollar. Yeah. So I think the number you said nails it. Um, but these things were, well, remember, let's just backtrack ever so slightly previously on Ridiculous History. You know, it all started with one pineapple. I was talking to some friends last night uh, about how, you know, just that one pineapple made it. And they're like, well, how did it keep from getting too ripe? And that's exactly right. The other ones that, that came across, you know, on that journey with Columbus, 
clearly were already too ripe in the first place and just rotted and became the sticky morass of goo. And I'm imagining that the one that made it was probably really green or unripe, you know? And then it like took the time of that that voyage to ripen because I was a big dummy and I was like, well, they had ice, right? No, they didn't have ice. You had to go like the Arctic Circle to get ice. So the best they could do is keep them in a cool, dry place, which would have been the, you know, the hold of the ship. But yeah, that one pineapple started this whole pineapple craze because King Ferdinand of Spain went absolutely bonkers for it. And the idea of having a pineapple, that was about the best anyone could hope for. And they would get like traded around and paraded down the streets for events and things like that. And it got to the point where there became this whole like weird side hustle behind pineapples that had nothing to do with cooking or eating or fruit or anything. Yeah, so we see this happen often in the world of luxury goods and material flexes. Something starts out in the upper echelons of society. That's where it becomes cool, right, and desirable. And then people in lower rungs of society, right, like well-to-do merchants, for instance, learn about the upper class's love of a specific thing, and they say, well, I want to get in on the party. I want a Rolex, a Rolls Royce, or a pineapple. I think those are the examples we used earlier. And that's exactly what happened here. There was this crazy, hectic trade in pineapples, but not selling pineapples, because a lot of people couldn't afford to own a pineapple. Uh, instead, the trade centered on renting pineapples. That's, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to see how this came to be. When last we left off with the saga of the pineapple, Europeans were trying, without much luck, to grow the fruit themselves. Uh, pineapples need a tropical environment, and Europe is famously mostly not a tropical place. But there's, there is something interesting. In the 1700s, some folks in England figured out how to grow a pineapple. And that might sound wild to anybody who's familiar with British weather, right? Famously gray, and there's a stereotype of it being bleak and dreary and so on. But it appears that some people in England actually pulled it off. They had to be uh, gardeners that were either very, very wealthy already or very, very good at gardening. Yes, and uh, the man that may have possessed one or both of those uh, certain sets of skills was a guy named John Rose, who is often incorrectly connected with growing the very first pineapple in England because there's a painting by Charles II, um, which he commissioned in 1675, which shows John Rose presenting the king with this, you know, prized homegrown pineapple. But it turns out that as often is the case in these sorts of uh, paintings depicting some sort of ceremonial pomp and circumstancy type thing, um, the narrative is a little bit forced. Uh, the pineapple that is in the painting, which was in fact based on a real thing that happened, was one that was imported from the Bahamas and then ripened in England by Rose. Oh, and here, here's why those pineapples survived the journey at all. Uh, I was yeah. thinking about this after we recorded episode one. A pineapple takes about 28 months to grow and then another six months to ripen. So you've got oh. a pretty long runway there. Okay, well, I, I just have to say, I'm not trying to nag uh, our guy John Rose here, but doesn't letting a pineapple ripen just mean like leaving it alone and doing nothing? Well, it, it's funny. A lot of it would depend on whether or not he had one of my new favorite fancy buildings, an orangery. <laughs> why, not, why, not, why, not, why not a pineapple-atorium or a pineapple-arium or dome? Because it started with oranges. Ah, that makes sense. So... I like a pineapple area. I, I like mm. that rolls off the tongue, but it an does. orangery is exactly what it sounds like. These were uh, buildings that were you'd usually find on wealthy kind of trendy estates, and mm. they existed entirely to be citrus fruit greenhouses. They would protect citrus fruits from frost and snow during the winter months, but 
The issue with orangeries, according to Johanna Lawson Higgins from the Royal Botanical Garden in Edinburgh, the, the problem with them is that even these custom-built buildings did not provide enough heat and light for the pineapple. And that's why it wasn't until 1714, maybe 1716, when uh, one gardener, a Dutchman named Henry Talende, was able to grow a pineapple in England for his boss, Matthew Decker. And Matthew Decker was so excited about this <laughs> that he commissioned a painting. And like in 1720, years later, he says, you know what? We need a painting of Henry growing that pineapple. But, you know, um, being of the wealthy class, who knows? He may have made it look like he grew the pineapple himself. Uh-huh, uh-huh, exactly. Looks can be deceiving, especially when they're committed in, like, really high-quality, you know, bespoke oil paintings. And this guy, I mean, he really does deserve props for coming up with what was ultimately a very elaborate method uh, that involved so many variables and keeping them, you know, balanced perfectly. Soil temperature had to be maintained at the exact correct temperature. Um, he designed these hot houses, which is, I think it's the same as a greenhouse, Ben. Uh, but if, I hope, hope any botanists out there let us know. But they had these pits that were lined with pebbles. And on top of the pebbles, he had manure, nature's fertilizer, or, you know, just fertilizer, that sat on a bed of this bark called Tanner's bark which is oak bark that's soaked in water. So he thought all this through really, really specifically. Then there's more. Then he had a pot that contained the, uh, yeah, like, you know, like a pot of soil that contained the pineapple plant. But here's the thing, manure wasn't enough. It, 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 it actually created a lot of heat in the early stages of his experimentation. That's why he needed the bark to come in and regulate the heat over time, the, the wet, uh, soaked oak bark. And it would keep the temperature of the soil at this exact right range that kind of mimicked that uh, you would find in these more tropical regions. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, uh, <laughs> it's kind of like keeping tropical fish or an octopus, you know what I mean? Uh, or a you know, a saltwater fish of some sort. They need these very specific environmental conditions. I do want to say hothouse and greenhouse are used interchangeably. There's one big difference, though. I think technically a greenhouse is only warmed by the sun, but a hothouse uses these other methods, like maybe the, uh, the chemical reactions of manure or furnaces, stuff like that, to heat the produce of the plants inside. And they tried a couple of different approaches to uh, <laughs> to grow pineapples in England. Talinde's method, while involved, is, is pretty impressive. It's got a MacGyver vibe, uh, but it was also pretty expensive. A lot of people tried to get in the pineapple game by building what they called pineries. Personally, I like pineapplearium. But, you know, they didn't ask us at the time. <laughs> uh, a lot of people were in this game, and it grew very expensive. The Gentleman's Magazine of 1764 estimated it would cost you 150 pounds, the equivalent of 28,000 pounds today, to build a hothouse, to cover your maintenance cost, operation cost, to buy the pineapple plants themselves. And it was pretty risky because you weren't guaranteed to get a return on your investment. And also, a lot of people accidentally killed their pineapples because of the ways they tried to heat them. Right. Uh, and, and I don't know, Ben, would you consider this an operation that quickly was able to, you know, what they say in the corporate world, scale? You know what I mean? Like, or, or, or would, would, you know, that would be really expensive operation, right? Yeah, and it's a long-term investment. So mm. it will take several years for the pineapple fruit to bloom if you don't kill it. Right. And then, of course, it'll take another six months to ripen. People killed their pineapples pretty often, actually. They tried to heat some of these glass houses with furnaces that were inside the building, but the fumes from the furnaces would kill or damage the plants. And then they tried firewalls, which sound cool, uh, the, the idea is, well, they sound hot, right? There we go. Uh, the, the idea is that hot, hot, hot. you would get a stove or furnace and you would use the hot air rising from that 
to like run along the wall to heat the wall of the right. hot house or the pinery. Uh, but the problem was you needed someone constantly there stirring the coal, stoking the Whoa. coal. So the term firewall started with that and not necessarily a safety barrier in buildings that would prevent fires from burning through a wall? Or did I make that use of the term up entirely? Obviously, it also is a computer internet safety thing. But I always think of a firewall as being a building, you know, code spec type thing that that uh, keeps fires from like penetrating from one portion of the building to the other. Sort of like that's those uh, compartments in the Titanic that like totally didn't work. Yeah, that's correct. That's that's the that's where the computing term firewall comes from. These are <laughs> these are just something different. These are just hot Got walls. It. That's so cool, though. I love that. I love it. It reminds me of sort of the way the term pineapple itself was kind of bastardized and flipped around and been like, okay, now it's going to be this thing. Uh, oh, the English language. It's uh, like you always say, Ben, it's a, it's a living language indeed. So, okay, costly, complicated, difficult to scale up front, right? Is it worth it? You know, is it worth uh, the difference between trying this elaborate, you know, plan to grow them domestically versus just importing them? Because like you said, there's a pretty big window. Yeah, yeah. But if everything goes well, if you can figure out a heating and maintenance method that you can keep up long enough, then you are going to end up being a pineapple tycoon. At this point, uh, a hope-grown pineapple will sell for the equivalent of 11,000 pounds today. So it's even more expensive than it was in, uh, when Ferdinand was first noshing on pineapples. And I thought, I thought this was funny. This reminds me of organic farmers markets. The pineapples were even more desirable if they still had shoots and leaves on them because then you would know that some some aristocrat had grown them there in Europe. So you would be, <laughs> you would be like shopping local. Okay. So that, so wait a minute, wait a minute. So the domestic pineapple became even more valued than the imported pineapple. It's a more of a flex. Because, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, you would be like, Oh, well, why would I wait for a pineapple to uh, ship with sailors across the Atlantic when I could simply buy some from Earl of Sabwichard Way in Shire? Exactly. Yeah. No. I don't know. No, I get it. It's, it's already it's already kind of a weird, impulsive, you know, opulent thing, which usually involves a little bit of instant gratification. Right. You know, you don't want to have to wait for your like fancy thing to make you feel all, you know, big. You, you want it right now for that dopamine hit. Yeah, exactly. This is, <laughs> there's a, a funny passage in Pineapple, a global history by an anthropologist named Cowrie O'Connor, where they talk about this, uh, <laughs> they talk about this weird decision a lot of possessors of pineapple had to face. Are you going to display it to let people know how well off you are? Or are you going to fold to your curiosity and eat the fruit yourself. Mm. This was a dilemma for people because even if you're really wealthy in Europe at the time, you know, it, you wouldn't casually be buying a pineapple. No matter who you are, it's, it's a pretty significant investment. And yeah, they taste great. But if you eat it, you no longer have that flex. Yes, it actually became almost more popular to display. Like, think of like the 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 most you know all of the still lifes and you know fruit paintings of the time and before. You know, the pineapple is the most kind of arresting and uh, you know unique looking of all of those, and often is the centerpiece of those kinds of displays. And it makes sense because it's quite large, so it, it, it everything kind of crowds around it because it is in fact the king of the fruits. In the same way that Godzilla is arguably the king of the monsters. I'm, I'm more of a Kong guy. How about you, Ben? Uh, uh, you know, I enjoy all kaiju. I'm one of the few people who uh, thought Pacific Rim was great. What are you talking about? It was fantastic. I love Pacific. I, I love Pacific Rim. I didn't think that was a, a, a controversial opinion. Oh yeah, I think the studios sank it, but it did so well in the Chinese market that it managed to get a, a sequel. I don't think mm -hmm. uh, Pacific Rim Three is coming out, but there is a new anime, Pacific Rim Black, on Netflix. So check it out nice. if you like. If you like me, uh, love giant robots and kaiju. 
I don't know, man. Kong, Godzilla, they both got there. Did you see the new one? I did, and I, I I don't know. You know, like it's easy to rag on anything like that because it's just big, dumb, fun popcorn, you know, yeah. nonsense. But I quite enjoyed it. Be, I did not care for the previous one, King of the Monsters, because it was so focused on the kind of boring interpersonal relationships between the human characters, and they kind of dispensed with that entirely and gave us the monster. Like the one of the shows that I watch on YouTube, Red Letter Media, these dudes do movie reviews in a show called Half in the Bag. It's fantastic. They described it as like a really expensive version of like a, a six year old banging his action figures together, you know, mm-hmm. in the bathtub or something. And I was here for it. How about you? Yeah, same. Uh, of course, folks who know about uh, the other show that we do, stuff they don't want you to know, you can imagine I, I had some complicated feelings uh, when I saw that one of the main characters is a conspiracy theory podcaster. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I was totally like, right oh, that. man, I'm back in the zeitgeist. But uh, I enjoyed it for uh, many of the same reasons. It's just a childlike thrill. Mm-hmm. And people found pineapples also thrilling. It hit them emotionally in a way that other fruits didn't because of a very simple fact. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts of a spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. It was almost impossible for the average person to get their hands on a pineapple, but the literary world was filled with these crazy descriptions, some a little bit erotic, of how the pineapple tasted. Like you would, you could easily go your entire life without tasting a pineapple, but reading something new every week about how amazing it was. And this just uh, made people more hungry on several levels for a pineapple. And you want other people to know you had access to it. And that's where we see the rise of pineapple as decoration. I mentioned before mm-hmm. that, you know, the entrance of some fancy buildings 
having pineapples depicted in masonry. Or when you go into some old hotels, you'll see a pineapple for mm-hmm. some like just a painting of a pineapple. I love hotel paintings, man. They're so weird. There's something to them. You're right. And it turns out, uh, actually, not to blow, I'm not going to name names, but a colleague of ours, uh, his partner, um, that is her job, is to curate hotel paintings. So there's definitely, like, somebody putting some thought into it. I think it depends on the type of hotel, perhaps the number of stars that it has as to the tastefulness of said paintings. But I think the ones you're talking about, Ben, are the ones that are real bargain basement. And you're like, who did this? And where did this come from? And, And why is this here? It's probably like, you know, a sailboat, a single sailboat on a, you know, placid sea or something like that. Yeah. Or like, you know, a, a, a sad clown. Oh, God. Really? You've seen, <laughs> you've seen sad clowns. I know that's that would be triggering for so many people. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I'm thinking of this, uh, this really creepy casino I ended up in in Vegas one time when I was at CES, uh, the Consumer Electronics Showcase. Was, was it Circus Circus? Surely it was Circus Circus if it had clown themed. Yeah, paintings. I think it was. I think that's okay. the name of it. It cool, was cool, 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 creepy, cool. man. I, I enjoyed yeah. it. But anyway, anyway, decorations. Yes. People want you to know that un- unlike the pores, they have a pineapple. Uh, so the landed aristocracy is in kind of this keeping up with the Joneses arms race of living a big life, right? Gambling and and boozing, and then also cultivating pineapple with uh, around-the-clock care in these custom-built pineries, tons of coal to keep the temperature right. The cost of rearing each one was equivalent to $8,000, which is probably why the price went up to 11000 later. Oh, wow. Like if through the life of the pineapple, eight grand per apple. Yes, yes. That's wild. <laughs> because this, this, this seems unsustainable. This seems like a bubble, you know, yeah. like the like the tulip craze, you know, something. Yeah, it's, I mean, think about it. They're creating an environment that does not naturally exist in this part yeah. of the world. It's also not good for literally anything else <laughs> besides <laughs> this. So it's so, it becomes so very expensive that eventually even the aristocrats are saying, you know, it's tremendously wasteful to grow one of these pineapples and simply eat them. Then you'll have no pineapple to flaunt. And that's why they became mm-hmm. dinnertime decorations. You would just, you would like go to a fancy dinner and you would see, <laughs> you would see a pineapple in the middle of like this very opulent fruit plate. And the pineapple's in the middle because you're not supposed to eat it. You're just supposed to look at it while you eat cheaper fruit. And then uh, I guess you say to the host, oh, wow, you do have a pineapple. Dope. And they're like, and you're like, what's it taste like? And they're like, I don't know. I'm not going to eat it. This was 11 grand. Oh, I know. And now it's interesting, Ben, you point out the uh, gestation period, let's just call it. That's totally not the right science term at all. But for how long it takes for the thing to ripen, right? So yeah. that gives you a pretty long window uh, of displaying it. But at what point in that, does it always look the same? Is it green? Does it go from like green to... I mean, honestly, even a ripe pineapple is sort of green on the outside. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder how long what, how long do you think you have with this prized possession? And if it's just getting there at the tail end where it's like, okay, this is about to go. I've gotten three months of display out of it. Now it's time to crack it open and take a bite. Well, nowadays, if you look at the modern pineapple expiration date, it's pretty crazy. A whole pineapple will last two to three days on the counter. Four That's to five it. days in the fridge. Days. Okay. But again, I got to pose this question. What does it look like when it's at the beginning of that six-month ripening period that we're talking about? It has to look different, right? Yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll look different. Like any fruit, the appearance will change over time. Obviously, people were keeping these pineapples for much longer than two to three days. Because they two to three days is the window uh, in which you can eat it and it'll still taste fresh. But again, they're not eating it. So they're they are riding this horse to the ground, by which I mean they're gonna have that pineapple out there for as long as possible, even if it's rotting, because it's not as though someone is going to eat it. This craze, by the way, took off in the American colonies as well. They were imported from the Caribbean islands and they were still really expensive because you would think maybe 
pineapples would be cheaper, right? Because the colonies are closer. Right. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. The colonists would display pineapples as well. But when theirs started going rotten, they would eat them. Right. See, there we go. We're speaking the same language. Um, but but even theirs were like uh, around 8K, you know, for one of these. It was very close to uh, the prices in England. Yeah, which is nuts. And now we have to reveal just how crazy this got. Noel, what, what's up with the pineapple rental market? Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, how, how, how much time do you want, Ben? I know it's one of your big things. We talk about it a lot. Off I've, air. Yeah, I've got a beautiful, beautiful fruit. Uh, I will rent you for, let's call it 100 bucks a day. All right. Do I need insurance or... Well, you can protect your, you know, you can get rental insurance for an extra 10. Okay, because I'm, I'm going on a date and I just yeah. really want to flex. Yeah, but don't drop it, Ben. And definitely don't eat it. This is like a, you know, look but but don't eat situation. Got it. I'm going to write one, that one, down. 110 doesn't seem that bad. No, but again, by today's day, you can buy your own pineapple, but you don't need me. I have an antiquated business. I, <laughs> I, I, I have actually, I've been outpaced by uh, history. Um, I really should have thought this business model through. But back then, it was a great business model because, you know, it was like the blockbuster video model, you know, where you could just, uh, you know, get a bunch of pineapples and instead of selling them, and having a one-time payout, you'd keep cycling them through and renting them to people. Um, and it became a pretty lucrative trade. Uh, the pineapple rental market, there's so much status wrapped up in these. Um, people wanted to get in on the party. At the very least, they wanted to appear as if they were in on the party. Um, so they might just rent a pineapple for a night, for a dinner soiree you know, to use for that centerpiece on the table. And, and that, you know, would be enough, nominal enough of a fee. They could afford it. They could feel like they, you know, were somehow, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. It's the same as people that like buy luxury clothing items when they just really don't make enough money to do that, um, to justify spending $200 on a, on a Gucci shirt or whatever, or that's probably low. But they feel so, you know, pressured by society and by the people they follow on social media and all this stuff, sorry, I'm soapboxing here a little bit, that they'll like, you know, overspend and spend out of their means to get this stuff. Not saying people shouldn't have what they want and feel good about the clothing that they have. And if that's what you're into, the fashion and stuff. But I think a lot of it is pressure. And this is definitely what this is, wouldn't you say? Pressure to keep up and, and, and to, you know, fight that, those feelings of jealousy. Yeah, right? Like I was saying earlier, it's like an arms race to keep up with the Joneses. But to the point about designer fashion, this this led me down an interesting rabbit hole because I was wondering whether some unscrupulous merchant did the same thing that many merchants do in the modern day, which is to make knockoffs. Was there a counterfeit pineapple market? I, I To me, that's really interesting because so many people who saw pineapples wouldn't have seen them in person. They would have heard about them and seen paintings, right, or drawings. So I bet there was somebody selling fake pineapples the same way people sell, you know, knockoff Supreme gear or something. But this also leads us to another funny thing. Uh, well, a funny thing that turns pretty dark pretty quickly. This means that for a lot of people who could actually afford to buy pineapples, they were buying pineapples used because these things have been rented out for several days beforehand, right? And now you get this used pineapple. Who knows how many people have touched it? Uh, the, the maids who would transport pineapples from dinner party to dinner party were also incredibly lucrative targets for thieves. So they had to be very, very careful. Uh, we know that pineapples became a source of crime in 1807, there are several cases for pineapple theft. One guy was sentenced to something called transportation, which is way less cool than it sounds. He was basically exiled to Australia for seven years for stealing seven pineapples. It's so funny, Ben. Uh, so I had to I had to bring this up really quickly. The idea of uh, you know. 
comparing the luxury clothing situation to this pineapple situation, I don't know if you are a fan of the show Parks and Recreation, Ben, but uh, Aziz Ansari's character, Tom Haverford, uh, is always pitching these like bad business ideas. And the one that he does that actually sort of takes off is a company called Rent-A-Swag, where you are able to rent luxury clothing, you know, for a period of time and then return it. Uh, and I was looking it up and I found an article that talked about these two um, actual Silicon Valley startups. One's called Latote, and I believe they've advertised with us uh, on, on different podcasts, um, and another one called Counter Squad, or sorry, Couture Squad, and they essentially allow you to rotate outfits through each month and then send them back. Uh, and they, they build themselves as the Netflix for clothes. So this is definitely a thing, and I, I, I credit pineapples for this. It's funny because pineapples even entered language. They even became right. slang. If you wanted to describe something as top-notch aces, the best of the best, the creme de la creme, then in the 1770s, you might say a pineapple of the finest flavor. Yeah. Uh, so Love let's go, go back to my fictional date. And I would, I would have this pineapple I've rented and it's like, I wanted to show you this pineapple because you, my dear, are a pineapple of the finest flavor. Yeah. And that wouldn't be weird back then. No, it wouldn't be. And I'm, I'm only guessing here, but I imagine as time went on, if that was going to still be used, it'd be like, ah, that, that dame's a real pineapple. You know? Exactly. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, there is a play in 1775 called The Rivals where a character compliments uh, someone by saying, he is the very pineapple of politeness. And <laughs> I think we bring it back. Oh, I'm with you, Ben. I'm with you. Uh, never mind. I'm going to work on this. We'll, we'll, maybe we can try some of these out at the end of the show. Um, but yeah, so, okay. So trade began to expand in Britain in the 18th century. And the pineapple... As we know, it already exists as both a uh, super bespoke fruit that you dare not even eat. It's so expensive. But, oh, the temptation and the nectar of the pineapple. Um, but you'd, you know, use it uh, for decor, rent it perhaps, you know, own it if you're super well off. And then that symbol, the iconography of the pineapple, it's such a... Um, a distinct shape, you know, you can see it in silhouette, like without even having any, uh, any detail on it. And let's think about things like Hawaiian shirts, Ben, or just things like tablecloths, perhaps, or like dish towels, right? That's a popular thing even today. And so when that trade started expanding in Britain, all these home goods companies that were like, you know, pumping out textiles and different things, you know, for the happy homemaker, they started using the pineapple as uh, as as a print, you know, um, uh, for fabrics and things like that, or or various, you know, carvings and, and emblems, et cetera, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You would see it on clocks. You would see it on paintings. You would be walking into, you know, the living room or the parlor, and it would be pineapple themed. Outdoors, you would also see this on garden sculptures, on uh, carriages, and this, like the grand manor houses, are where you would see those pineapples carved in stone on these plinths just sitting out in the yard uh, because the idea was, you know what? This fruit may not last forever, but if I can get a sculpture of it, everybody who walks into my house is going to know that at one point, you guys, I had a pineapple. That's what this stone is about, <laughs> lest ye forget. I am aware of pineapples. <laughs> It's right, true. Exactly. I am a classy dude. Ben, I'm sorry. You buried the lead a little bit there. Plinth? A yes. plinth? Give it to me. A plinth is just, uh, you know how when you see a statue or like a, a, a bust or a sculpture and mm -hmm. it's it's resting on a column uh -huh. of some sort, the plinth is the, that really heavy base that you put the statue or or the vase on. Wow. All right. Well, I definitely learned a new word today. Plinth doesn't really roll off the tongue. And then, like I said, things, you know, more fabric uh, patterns, right? Like napkins and wallpaper, even tablecloths. Yeah. Uh, great article uh, in Mental Floss, the super luxe history of pineapples. Um, goes through a lot of the stuff beautifully, as always. And of course, you know, paintings. That was a huge thing, too. It was just really, really popular. 
image because of all this association with wealth and opulence. And even I think that hospitality thing still is part of the conversation here. Um, Bip is part of the conversation here. Uh, but yeah, uh, it had become this symbol of good taste. Okay, I think I think that's that's what it all boils down to at this point. Um, good taste and opulence and and uh, absurd, you know, grotesque wealth. But I think the good taste part is the thing that's going to kind of carry it on, right? Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm laughing because I just keep imagining these various scenarios where really important people took the time out of their day to make sure. <laughs> Someone else knew they had a pineapple. It's kind of like it's like the president of a country stopping all official business to make an announcement that they have a PS5, but it's on an order of magnitude, you know, more expensive than that. So for a while, pineapples were an, an English industry in Europe. However, Technology would soon change the pineapple's social status. Advancements in the early 1880s began to make the pineapple less of a pain to grow and therefore more common. Essentially, Holland invented some new hothouse technology, which allowed mm -hmm. them to grow pineapples there. The steamship came into the game, which meant uh, quicker journeys. The pineapples were less likely to rot. Mm -hmm. More people were making money in Victorian England. And it wasn't long before the upwardly mobile, you know, like the upper middle class, could start having pineapples at dinner parties of their own, which mm. scandalizes the royals. Now the pineapple is uncool if the, totally. if the plebes can have it. They hated that. Oh, they hated that. That's why we can't have nice things. It's true. Yeah. The pineapple boom. Uh, or at least, uh, no, the pineapple bubble had burst, right? Because now everyone could afford a pineapple. It uh, didn't have quite the same cachet, but now people could enjoy the pineapple for why you should enjoy the pineapple, Ben, for why you enjoy the pineapple so well. To eat. <laughs> it's succulent, delicious flavor and um, versatility in cooking and uh, any other culinary pursuits. Dude, we would be so impressive if we traveled back to this period of time in Europe, I would just, we'd just bring a lot of pineapples with us, mm -hmm. right? Yep. <laughs> and they would be like, well, clearly, clearly these people are emperors of some foreign land. Why mm -hmm. else would they have this wheelbarrow of pineapples? Exactly. Tossing them off like fake Joker money in Batman, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They you love could, us. <laughs> you could buy a house with a pineapple, I bet. Anyhow, yeah, the, uh, the aristocracy hates it. The, the world is being upended and pineapples now are no longer cool. Oh, you could get a slice for a penny on the street, literally, <laughs> like, like it was like street food. Oh, oh. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you could find it in stalls in most cities and towns across the country. And satirical cartoonists would start drawing pictures of working class people eating pineapples. And it was very much a, uh, a visual metaphor for the problem of social progress. And then the invention of canning entered the mix. And now you could, you could have pineapples preserved. Mm -hmm. So you start seeing these rings of pineapple that have been canned and they're showing up in everything. People are adding pineapple to food at a crazy rate they spent so much time figuring out that they could do this. They never asked if they should add pineapple to things like meatloaf. Yeah, there's a there's a rough era for that kind of. I think it's called the seventies. Uh, right, the Jello salad <laughs> days. The, the Jello salad days, and uh, yeah, not just the salad days are good. That's a good thing, right? You pine for the salad days, you know, of your youth, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the pine Jello for. salad, the Jello salad days. Not not so good. But yeah, I mean, I, I love this. I really do. Especially just the, the idea of, you know, the average, you know, people being able to eat the pineapple and it pissing off the aristocracy. I'm always all about that in history. But today, I mean, it's 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 just as popular as ever. People love pineapple. It's great in smoothies. Like you said, we, we gave a bunch of things at the top of the show that we like. Pineapple upside down cake. 
great just as a snack, you know, in, a, in the fruit cup, you know, uh, of, of our youth, which you can now pretty much get something very similar, uh, hopefully with a little bit better distribution of cherries for you, Ben. Ah, uh, thanks, Noel. You remembered. I'm, I'm touched. Have you, have you heard of Lotta Fruta? Uh, the place here in Atlanta, right? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're pretty awesome. That's where you can go and get. I never thought that I would be the kind of person who, as an adult, would drive somewhere specifically to get a fruit cup, but mm-hmm. they are nailing it. If you were ever in Atlanta, you get a chance, uh, go check out Lotta Fruta. They're, they're top notch. I'll tell you what I'm fascinated by, Ben. I'm, I almost guarantee that you've tried it. One of my favorite places in Atlanta is Plaza Fiesta. It's this like really cool indoor Mexican mm-hmm. mall with, you know, all kinds of food stalls and, you know, taquerias and amazing uh, things that you can get. Goods, leather goods, like boots, like outfitters. Really, really, really fun. It feels like you've stepped through a portal into another place entirely. It's, it's, it's a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, uh, one of the most popular things that you always see people there um, enjoying are these amazing fruit cups, usually with mango slices and often pineapple and a few other little things thrown in. But they have these like swizzle stick looking things that are covered in this like chili powder, this like spicy chili powder. And they're meant to be like a sweet, savory, almost salty Food oh, yeah. cup situation. And I've always been a little freaked out to try, but the more I'm thinking, oh, you know what? I only live once and I'm getting older and my tastes are changing. I think I might be down for one of those. Have you had one, Ben? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a fan. I would try it out. Uh, I haven't had one of those in years. I, I, I think you'll dig it. I'd be interested to hear what you think, what your take on it is. We also are interested to hear uh, your experiences with pineapple in the modern day because it's coming back as a symbol Uh, We've seen, well, you know, people that would sometimes be called hipsters rocking pineapples as as a, uh, you know, as like a Hawaiian shirt or I I work actually with a writer from Vanity Fair. I'm not going to name names, but one of the first things I noticed about this guy who's a brilliant writer is he has a big pineapple tattoo on his Mm, forearm. Interesting. (laughs) And it's really cool. He's way cooler than me. I should point that out. But now here we are. The pineapple became insanely popular. It had kind of a uh, a fall from grace, uh, but it remains uh, it remains iconic in the modern day because, yeah. like you said, Noel, it it looks incredibly distinct and it also tastes incredibly good. Uh, <laughs> ben, quick hot take: pineapples on pizza. You know what? I think people's pizzas should be their own. If you bought the pizza. Put whatever you want on it. Yeah, but you personally, are you a pineapple on pizza guy? This says a lot about someone's uh, personality. Does it? Uh, I've <laughs> had pineapple on pizza. I'm not opposed to it. I don't, you know, Hawaiian pizza sometimes has too much pineapple and ham mm-hmm. on it. I think yep, you got to yep, yep. you gotta have a soft touch. I like it occasionally, you know, for a treat. But <laughs> right. yeah, please, Ben, I'm sorry I interrupted you for that <laughs> hot take, which I think is very valuable. So I think it was worth it, but please. Oh, man. Yeah, it's a good question. I'm surprised we didn't get to it yet. Uh, We do have, this is the end of our two-part episode of Pineapple, but almost like a a superhero movie with a stinger, a post-credit scene, we do have a little bit of a tease for maybe an episode in the future. Oh, my God. Yeah, the upper class, when they realized that pineapples were, you know, no longer the hot produce, they had to find a new way to let everybody in society know that they were, in fact, better than them. <laughs> and they didn't learn their lesson from the pineapple debacle, where many people lost thousands and thousands of mm-hmm. pounds and dollars. Instead, they decided to look for another luxurious, difficult-to-grow food. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh boy, have I ever been. 
<laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. It's so ridiculous. Noel, what was it? Yeah, it was celery. Wop wop. Um, which is, I mean, I, look, I, I'm not. I like celery for like you know, you know, it's the holy trinity of uh, Cajun cooking. You know, celery, carrots, onion. Is that the three? Uh, I know that's a, that's what a trinity is, but anyway, it's very, very great for making like a base, the mirepoix of like a lot of like cooking. On its own, not a fan. You know, it's got the crunch. It's good if you're trying to avoid carbs. You can dip it and stuff. But it's also the kind of thing that you just see haphazardly thrown into your, like, styrofoam box of to-go chicken wings. So clearly that has gone quite a, a leap away from where these weird riches were hoping it would. Mm-hmm. But stay tuned for more on that. And I would love to hear about the history of Sally. I do want to add really quickly, Hawaiian pizza was invented in Canada by the owner of a Greek restaurant. That's all we're going to leave. We're just going to leave it with that. And mm-hmm. uh, I alluded at the top of episode one, um, and we didn't really get into it, The pineapple is so sought after that it actually created like a coup type situation. Mm-hmm. And that really is the story of pineapples being brought to the masses in the 1900s through the Dole Food Company, originally called the Hawaiian Pineapple Company. And essentially they deposed the last sovereign ruler of Hawaii uh, before, you know, and the annexation of it. It's a whole thing. I recommend, and I think Ben would agree, to listen to a special episode of Stuff They Don't Want You to Know, our other show, with special guest hosts, super producer Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday, Jackson, and... And Dana Schwartz. Yeah, I've been thinking about that episode the entire time we were recording these. Uh, they did a wonderful job. Uh, it's a it's a deep dive into the events that led to Hawaii becoming a U.S. state. In uh, the the pineapple, like the banana in South America, had a role to play in in this story of imperialism. So please do check this out. Uh, please also stay tuned as we. <laughs> As we learn more about celery, that's so ridiculous. I have celery for like beef stew and the Holy Trinity, which is, you know, like you said, onion, bell pepper, and celery. But Bell pepper, that's the one. That's the one, yeah. But uh, we're going to call it a day because I think this episode has made uh, both of us hungry. We could talk about food forever. And it's crazy. You get a whole nother episode from Alexis and Dana on just the one thing that we barely even scratched on. I can't believe how much pineapple content there is out there, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, right. We're still we're still flexing like the aristocrats of old. Also like to recommend an episode of our 
sister podcast, Savor, with Lauren Vogelbaum and Annie Reese, who you may recognize from earlier episodes of Ridiculous History. They have an episode all about just renting pineapples. It's mm-hmm. called May I Rent Your Pineapple? Uh, do check it out and let us know what you think. Thanks to the whole crew. Uh, Noel, this, this, is a, this is a wild ride. This one was a lot of fun. What do you think? Oh, dude, I, it's more fun than you could shake a pineapple at. You could shake a pineapple at anything. It's not that hard. They're not that heavy. They, they're just, you know, spiny. Be careful handling that pineapple. Yeah, do it by the base of the pineapple because if you do it by the crown, you're just going to pull the crown off and then will it still be the king of fruits? Mm. That's a good <laughs> question. It's a good question, Ben. And speaking of questions, we'd like to hear from you. Why not swing on by uh, Ridiculous Historians on Facebook? Tell us your weird stories about fruits of yesteryear or, you know what, uh, produce and spices that became incredibly expensive. Pineapple's far from the only example. Love to hear about that. Uh, You can also find my colleague Noel and I on social media, not as shows, but as people. Oh my gosh, we are in fact people. Uh, You can find me on Instagram. I am at Brown posting you know just stuff from around the house yeah, a lot of like uh, weird music videos that i just kind of film on my tv uh, until you know the algorithm makes me pull them down or pulls them down automatically but you know my kid doing cosplays and stuff like that you know come come join me on my life's journey via instagram how about you ben you've got a couple of spots people can find you yeah i want to say uh noel's meme game is strong so do do take a look at his stories i always oh, get a kick out of those appreciate that yeah, you can, uh, while you're on the internet, you can find me having uh, various misadventures on Instagram where I'm at Ben Bolin, B-O-W-L-I-N. You can also find me on Twitter at Ben Bolin, H-S-W. The old school folks know where that H-S-W comes from. They sure do. Uh, <laughs> old school folks like like my pal Noel here, our super producer, Casey Pegram. Thanks to you. And of course, thanks to our main man, guest producer, Andrew Howard. You know what? I think if we're going to use the name, the Pineapple Kid, Andrew feels more like the Pineapple Kid to me. Do you think he'd like that name? Uh, we have to ask him, but he's pretty he's a pretty agreeable fellow. He's way more chill than we are. He's pretty chill. Uh, but yeah, I do like the Pineapple Kid, but I do feel like it, 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 it should be reserved for some sort of hardened criminal or a <laughs> DJ. Yeah, Maybe. just that's like that inverse uh, relationship between cute names and threats in prison. Exactly. Like if, if you see someone in, in prison and their name is like the death dealer, then you know what you're getting. But if you see someone who's named like Spurfy or uh, the pineapple kid, run yeah. away. Run away. <laughs> run away. Or punch them right in the face first thing when you walk into the mess hall to exercise <laughs> your dominance. That's that's the that's what they tell you. That's prison rules there. Man, Ben, thank you, of course. Uh, in addition to uh, Jonathan Strickland, the quister, who I'm, I'm missing. I don't feel like I have any bad things to say about him anymore. I, I just he doesn't come around enough anymore. I kind of miss him. I think maybe um, my negative talk has kept him at bay. So I'm going to try to woo him back to us because I think we're ahead now. So I think I may be only cranky when we're behind in the quiz game. Yeah, well, uh, I think we are one ahead because we had some help from our uh, research associate, Gabe Luzier, remember? That's right. And we won. <laughs> so come on back at us. Come at us, Strickland. We, we're ready for you. Uh, huge thanks to Alex Williams, who composed our theme. All the people, all of you lovely Ridiculous Historians, join the Facebook group, Ridiculous Historians. You can talk to all your fellow history buffs out there on the internet. Quick idea. Let, let, let us know how you feel about this. Let's up the stakes for the Quister segment and say that the winner gets a pineapple. Love it. Whether or not they want it. <laughs> it's yours now. Do with it what you will. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. 
True story, the intimate ships of Avalon waterways can go where the big ships can only dream through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time, special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.